Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. Today we meet renowned instructor Jess Finley from the USA. In this interview we talk about being an established HEMA instructor, the art of ringing and the solo instructor journey. The episode was recorded on Instagram Live, 23rd July, 2020. Folks to join, I'll ask my usual uh, standard question, which I ask all the guests at the start, which is how has lockdown been for you? Woo! Well, okay, so I'm in the middle of the United States. I'm in Kansas. Um, and so in some ways that's beneficial because we have a smaller population here than maybe right. some of the some of the bigger areas um, so that's been helpful yeah um but we're getting by pretty well at this point um i've started resuming one-on-one -on -one lessons um because it seems safe to do that and um because i have my own space so i don't have to worry about anyone being there right um other than me and uh and and people that come to fence with me. And so I open up both the doors and put big fans in the doors so we get a cross breeze and we're wearing masks and then we're wearing masks and then we can do a little fencing, you know. Right. Um, so you but can still that's do really good. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, and being just, being just a one-to-one -one shooter makes that possible. You don't have to worry about large clumps of people. Um, yeah. You're of course, that means I'm there many more hours, right? Yeah. Um, because rather than having, you know, a group lesson with eight or 12 people in it, you know, I, I have multiple, you know, some people are trying to come twice a week um, for private lessons. And so, you know, a lot more hours in, in, in the turn hall, but that's okay. You know, it's good. So you're a professional HEMA instructor. That's your, that is your job. I make dozens of dollars. Yeah, dozens, dozens, <laughs> dozens. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that is your that you, you don't. It's not like a, something that you do on the side kind of thing. That's your your full time uh, your thing. No, it really is. It really is my whole my whole focus. Um, my husband has a really demanding career where he, uh, before COVID at least, had to travel a lot. Right. Um, and we and we have kids, so. Um, I kind of was able to transition from a from a normal office job, like I worked in real estate, you know, um, and when I had kids, I wanted to stay home with them, so I did that, and then we got used to the one income, and we got used to, um, uh, I guess, uh, divide and conquer with our, um, our approach to domestic life, yeah. and so... Um, so anyway, so I was able to just transition that into, you know, if I'm not losing money doing HEMA and I'm still able to meet our family's needs of managing a household, then awesome. You know, so that's that's what I do. <laughs> and uh, you've got your your training space, your turn hall. Mm -hmm. uh, is that yeah. at your property or is that uh, in another location? No, it's about a mile from here, a couple couple of kilometers. It's not far at all. Um, and so it's in a commercial space. 
And believe it or not, it's there's a beer garden, and then me, and then an armory. No. I'm not even making that up. So it's pretty <laughs> You're joking. No, that's our little strip. It's so good. So, you know, um, sometimes at class, you know, we'll have, you know, things go haywire with, with a sword or with armor or whatever, and we run over to Richard and, hey, Richard, will you... Will you fix this real quick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so stressed. I need a beer. Oh. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Fantastic. So, it's really nice. So in addition to your hall, uh, where you run classes, you have, yeah. um, we have your own, uh, you, you do like a, I, I know about this because a friend of mine, one of your students was telling me about this at Christmas. Um, ah. Uh, yeah, and, uh, she doesn't mind me mind me saying, but she she had a fa such a fantastic time. So you've got like a little um, what I would describe it as a a, a HEMA retreat that people can do. Uh, you have a a little chalet. She said it was, it was lovely. This little uh, um, uh, little apartment for your guest students, so they can come and live uh, on your property and train one to one with you for. I don't know, however long they, they want to train with you. Um, and that, yeah. that just sounds like, that just sounds amazing. Tell us about, about that, how you came up with that and how it works. Yeah, well, you know what? It, was, it, it actually was born out of um, a student a few years ago, John Roth, asked me, I probably shouldn't call him a, he was, he was briefly my student, right, for that weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not a regular of mine, of course. Uh, yeah. But he had sent me a message and said, would you consider me coming to your place and, and training for a whole weekend. And I was like, sure, we can make that work. And, um, and so he, uh, he decided he needed to throw monies at me to make that happen. And, and so I like turned it into almost a, a bed and breakfast sort of situation. So if you come at this point, um, what it's evolved into is, is you get to come and yeah, you stay in the cottage, which is where I'm at right now. And these are all like books related to medieval or fencing or body movement or whatever. They're all out here. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you stay out here in the cottage and um, most people come for three days, you know, like, like a half day of training and then two long days. And then, you know, they have travel on either end. Um, and, you know, depending on, you know, I've done them, where they're focused entirely on wrestling. I've done them where they're focused entirely on sword. Um, TQ came and was like, I want a holistic understanding of like, how do you wrap in armor and how do you wrap in wrestling and how do you wrap, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, and so it kind of um, is very unique and individual and everyone has kind of their own, their own focus in their own weekend. But it's really, really, really fun. And, and you enjoy it too, obviously. Uh, I, it just, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just sounds amazing. So you get tailored one-to-one -one retreats, HEMA intensive training with Jess Finley. Uh, yeah. For 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 a, like a little holiday, I guess. Um, yeah. 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 And Alina pushed the boundaries of that and came for two weeks. <laughs> so we had fourteen days of daily training, Alina. which was. Yeah, she did. Wow. Yeah. So that was that's the longest one I've done. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Gosh. So what, what, when, 
when things are back to normal and travel is permitted, I guess, do you think you'd consider having like groups of people come for, to stay and do seminars with you, that kind of thing? Or is it still going yeah, to be like a one-to-one -one thing? Yeah, we could certainly find ways to do that um, because there are quite a few of my neighbors that also have like Airbnb sort of situations with either just rooms in their home or, or sections of their home. Um, so it would be very easy to bring a group. Um, yeah, the cottage is real small. So you really, you know, maybe a couple. Yeah. Or, or a couple of close friends, but yeah. any more than that, then we would have to farm out where people were sleeping, but they could still sleep very close. Sounds fantastic. I, I want to go. Diana's saying to me, Fran, let's go. Oh, yeah, um, let's go. Let's go, Diana. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go and stay with Jess. <laughs> that oh, that'd be amazing. Um, right. My next question for you is, uh, well, I'd like to know this because I, I, you've been in HEMA forever uh tell us your hema origin story so how um, where did you start where did it start to start off with how did you get into this well you know it started with D, &D as <laughs> as all good ventures should right and like cooking <laughs> and all of that and um and actually american style renaissance festivals so right. i found out about a, a group in my area that was um putting together a, a, a sword group to go and fight on stage at Rena Renaissance festivals. Right. And um, so it was what that group was. And I was involved with that group for a long time was kind of a mix between putting on a show and trying to show like sparring. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't entirely choreographed, but it wasn't entirely not choreographed. Right. Um, almost like American professional wrestling. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, <laughs> On stage. So <laughs> that's actually way too accurate. All right. Um, uh, so that was a ton of fun. And um, when I first joined that, of course, I didn't know anything. And it was like 1997. And I thought we were doing something more real than what we were doing. Right. Um, but after a couple of years, I was like, oh, you know, I really want to know what what people what were actually doing. Um, and was able to um, have internet access at that point. And so I was able to start looking for it and finding like who I remember from way, way back in the early, you know, 2000 or 1999 was like Rob Lovett. Mm -hmm. um, I ran into him online and running into a uh, guy and Greg Melee and, you know, all those kinds of, all those kinds of people um, back then. Um, and fortunately, all of those forums are long gone, so nobody yeah. can look up when I thought I knew something and I knew nothing. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Yeah. So then, but did we you... were all using pseudonyms, so you wouldn't you yeah. wouldn't be able to figure out it was me. So <laughs> yeah, everyone had a yeah. It's, it must have been a bit of a shock when everyone sort of migrated to Facebook and then you saw what their real names were and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were some transition forums, right, where people got more and more like being the, their real selves. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so when did you make the decision to go solo and become an instructor on your own, doing your own thing? Oh, well, it wasn't so much a decision um, that I chose. It was more of a decision put upon me because I wanted to train. Right. Um so, you know, again, at that time, I was still living, I was still living not too far from here in the Midwest. 
there was nobody near me doing it. And um, I had convinced Christian Tobler to take me on as a distance student. And so I could um, send him AOL instant messenger chats, um, asking him questions back in the day. And, and he would reply and give me lessons to work. And I was going down to my local, my local gym um, that had a Kung Fu class that would train. And I would wait for the Kung Fu class to clear out the space. And then I would, I would go in and train afterwards. And at, at one point, um, the Kung Fu instructor stuck around and kind of watched what I was doing and asked me a lot of questions about it, which I answered to the best of my ability. And then the, the next time I came in, he said to all of his students, I want you to stick around and train with her. She's got some cool things she's doing. Wow. I had never taught anybody and I didn't, really know anything right um i had taken i had taken a couple weekend seminars you know well, you, and you, you, the guy obviously recognized something in you and they wanted yeah. to pick it up yeah and so and so from then on a couple of those people stuck around and bought swords and then all of a sudden you know then i had a club so you converted them <laughs> yeah that is so amazing that someone from another martial art will take their students and go look at this completely different thing uh yeah and, and study it that's great yeah just go do it like just for tonight you know yeah. and you don't have to stick around but go check it out yeah that's really kind cool. of faith yeah that's lovely because yeah. people can be people can be quite protective of their of their students i i, I find sometimes mm. they're like even within the same martial art they kind of sometimes just want to keep them in their little safe space kind of thing uh but that's lovely that, that he encouraged uh, those people to come and train with you um so how long have you been uh a uh, full-time um instructor um when did you start oh my doing? goodness well that that experience must have been in 2003 so wow yeah it's been a good long time yeah. <clears throat> um and of course then i would i had a job let me think it must <laughs> oh when i moved uh, when I, 2011, when I moved to Northern Virginia is where okay. I had, um, a club. And of course, at that time I, I had fuel and designs and was sewing as well. And then, That's right. and, and you then came to, you came to Swordfish and we, we met. In we did. Yeah. We crossed, we crossed blades. <laughs> that was the last yeah. time we met. Uh, so, uh, you're, you're known, um, for anyone who doesn't know that uh, Jess Finley, uh, you're known for long sword. You're known for uh, probably mm -hmm. more, even more so for your uh, your grappling because you have mm -hmm. uh, you've written books on it. Uh, you uh, you studied uh, a judo was it beforehand? Judo, yeah. So you studied judo yeah. for many years, and then that I guess that kind of informed your interest into the grappling side of Hema. Tell us, um, yeah, more about that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I did judo for, oh, goodness, seven or eight years, probably. Um, but uh, I had I had done that before I was even studying HEMA officially. Mm -hmm. um, I was just doing that other related sword thing. And uh, when I started getting into HEMA and working um, with an early, early, early translation Christian Tobler had done of uh, the Von Danzig manuscript and Master Ott's wrestling treatises in that. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when I got that, I said, oh, Christian, 
you need to send me your interpretation of the wrestling stuff. And he goes, oh, no, I'm not a wrestler. That's your job. You do it. <laughs> yes. And I was like, really? I guess I'm going to do that. Right? A lot of, you know, there's a recurring theme here. <laughs> that I end up doing things because I'm asked to. And so then I, okay, you know. This is so I familiar. Yes yeah. Every, every person that I've interviewed, and uh, and it's it's been it's true been true for me as well. Like some people say, when did you decide to do this? Like I didn't, you know, I didn't choose the thug life; it chose me, kind of thing. It's just that there was no one, there was no one else, <laughs> there was no one else to do it. So what am I going to do? Someone wants to start a HEMA club, and there's no one to do it. So you know, there's there's nobody to run this thing. There's nobody to organize this thing. No one to research this thing, and who's standing there right. well it's you so it's just it's just circumstance it's not like you have this great ambition to do something and then I think what happens is it's from those, those moments those sort of inciting incidents is then when you go oh maybe this is you know you, you might maybe not even at the time you kind of think well this is what I'm meant to be doing it's kind of when you look back and you go oh wow <laughs> that's right that's where all this was leading <laughs> <So> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think I mean, you and I have been around forever, so I think we, um, like, being a HEMA instructor as a as a job, like, mm. you couldn't have dreamt of it because it didn't exist, right? Mm -mm. It's like trying to imagine being an astronaut in the 1915s, right? Like, it, yeah. it doesn't exist. As a small child, you wouldn't come up with that. Um, yeah. Or as an adult, you know. Um, yeah. But I do think that people now can, can aspire to that um, because there are... Um, people like like you and me that are making a life of it, you know, and and um, and it really does kind of become who you are, right? Like, Absolutely, when am I going to yeah. quit? Probably it's, not. Yeah, Probably yeah. not. Never. It's part of becoming you know? part of your identity after a while. Yeah. It's not just a hobby or a lifestyle. Well, it's a lifestyle, you know. It's 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 who who you are. Um, We've got about 10 more minutes, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick my juiciest questions for you. And then the, 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 the boys and girls watching uh, can uh, ask uh, you theirs. Um, so um, you, you live with multiple sclerosis. I um, do. Yeah. And um, obviously that affects your everyday life. Um, and being a, mm -hmm. it's someone who works in a very physical uh activity tell us how um you know how that affects you on a sort of daily basis and uh what your sort of what your uh when you were given the diagnosis it's quite a few years ago now wasn't it um how you kind of projected what would happen in the future that kind of thing yeah so uh for anybody that doesn't know uh, multiple sclerosis is an immune disorder um, where my immune system is attacking the um, myelin sheaths on my nerves. And so you can imagine it's like when, um, when mice get in your walls and they, and they chew uh, all of the insulation off the wiring in your walls and, and your wiring starts going out, right? The, because without that insulation, it no longer works. And it's very much the same thing. Um, and I have what they call a relapsing, uh, excuse me, uh, remitting relapsing, which is that it will come and go. And there's no like predicting it. 
Um, so I could wake up tomorrow blind or not, right? And nobody, nobody would know or be able to do a whole lot about it. Um, so there are a few treatments, um, and, and I have and am, you know, doing them. Um, so for me, because as you can tell, it's a very individualized presentation of the disease as, as many immune diseases are. Um, and, and so for me, what that means is that, um, I'm very heat sensitive. Um, the heat tends to make it worse. And, and so one of the things I've, I've explained to, to people is, for instance, and it, and it could be like ambient heat, like it's hot outside, or it can be, I've worked up a big, deep sweat inside my fencing, Yambison, right? Okay. <laughs> um, and so as far as the body is concerned, it doesn't care where the heat is coming from. It's just that my internal temperature is raised. Right. Um, and so like, I will have a tendency for my right hand to go numb um, or that I will lose a lot of sensation in it uh, when I'm hot. But, you know, if I was, if it was a cool day and I wasn't doing anything vigorous, I, I'm fine. Um, so like, as you can imagine, that sort of thing is, is challenging for, for fencing. <laughs> it, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm quite used to it. Um, you know, you asked about what I imagined and I don't know that if this will be helpful to anyone but um my grandmother also had this disease she was um very instrumental in raising me and i was very very close to her and um she passed away um from related things to it uh at age 54 okay so um and by that point she was completely wheelchair bound um, her right hand didn't work at all, and she was pretty much limited to just um, sensation in her face and, and some in her left side. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a pretty dire um, dire thing. So, so when I got the diagnosis, um, I immediately pictured, like, that moment, that yeah. end game, and, like, what that looks like. Um, and to be honest, um, I thought I would be there by now. Um, with what my age is. Um, And so I had two years of deep grieving around that um, because really it brought up not only like grieving for me or grieving for my, at that time, very small children. I mean, my son was four months old. Um, And so I I was grieving for me and I was grieving for, for them having to experience that the way I did as a small child. And then also just re-grieving my grandmother you know, and and what happened to her. It was a very complex thing, but it took about two years really um, to, to go through that grieving process and internalize it. And um, really for the most part now, um, obviously I'm doing much better than expected and much better than on the average. And I would love to take credit for that, but it could just be, I'm just lucky as hell, you know, (laughs) like I like to think yeah, staying active maybe. You, yeah, I was going to ask you if there was if, if medical advice had said that your lifestyle, you know, your your diet, your health, and everything has any bearing on on the, you know, the prognosis, or if it's just you know, like you say, the chuck throw of the dice kind of thing. But you, yeah, like you, say, you said the other day I should I didn't expect to be living the life that I'm living now. Uh, 
several years down, you know, the, this many years down the line. Yeah. So. No, I didn't. I didn't. I thought for sure. Well, I mean, the statistics are mm -hmm. five years after diagnosis, half of people have uh, need assistance walking. Right. Um, and I am at my 10 year point. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm yes. teaching fencing. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I'm doing quite well. Um, and I'm grateful amazing. for that all the time, you know, yeah. very grateful for that. Um, but yeah, certainly, certainly, um, staying active is absolutely good. And in some reason, some ways, um, that did play into our family's decision of not putting me back into an office job. Yes. Um, because, you know, as we know, you know, prolonged sitting or, or, or a sedentary, as they say, a sedentary lifestyle, um, is harmful for anyone. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, so, um, definitely for me, staying active has been key and important. And I just have to, um, in particular, that heat thing is on my mind because we've been, um, in the mid nineties. So like 29 C or something like that. It's been stupid. It's been really hot. So, <laughs> um, I've been, uh, you know, on days like that, I'm, I'm conscious of it. I asked my students, you know, can we train early, early in the morning before the main heat comes on? Um, or maybe I take extra time or, or whatever. And yeah. I just have to watch myself a little bit. Um, and respect. Yeah. 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 Um, Kimberly but... says, uh, damn lady, I don't know anyone who works harder than you, Jess. And, and I have to agree <laughs> with her. <laughs> um, I try, right? I try. Okay. I, I like to joke. Yeah, I like to joke, like make the uh, make a pun around um, around physics laws that a body in motion stays in motion, right? Um, so if I can, you know, keep going, then I keep going, you know? Um, yeah. And let me also be very clear. There are some days that I wake up sure. and I know, yes, this is a bad day. And I'm going to spend the day in bed with like trash television. And like, Absolutely. that's what I'm going to do today. <laughs> and recharge. <laughs> okay, we're at the halfway point. Um, I am now going to ask the folks at home um, if okay. they can uh, ask you some questions. Because I know, I know the folks down in the West Country earlier were chatting about it uh let's see they have been saying stuff here has anyone got any questions for jess uh night orchestra says i think that's um lisa is that that's the armor has made helms for me and juniper not wolf armory that's yes neighbor <laughs> yes my neighbor richard he's yeah. great he makes really really uh, good um helms for sca style combat um, but right. his expertise is well beyond that. That's just his, his niche for his selling. That's his sideline. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a dream, says Julia. Talking about your retreat, <laughs> retreat. We all want to go. You're going to oh. have a lot of bookings, I think, after this talk. Your diary is going to start filling up. Um, Homox Valley Combat Guild, Void, Reality Vacay. <laughs> yeah, you could make it into a reality <laughs> show, couldn't you? It'd be like Big Brother oh. with swords. <laughs> wow. 
Ah, um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Ken believes it's hug life rather than thug life. Uh, women tend to only lead when asked or given no choice. Yeah, that's kind of true. Uh, the mice in the walls analogy, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's, I thought that's a really straightforward explanation for how MS functions. Um, yeah. Pets, hang on. There's a tradition that you might not know this, Jess, because you haven't seen it. Uh, someone called a nook always asks to see pets. Here I have a dog. This is Cookie. Oh my god. She doesn't want to know. Okay, so I'll put her down. Oh <laughs> she sleeps. Well, She's just sleeping next to me. Um adorable. Oh, okay, so go on. I have three. I have a dog, a cat, and a bearded dragon, but none of them are out here because some ah. of my guests have allergies, oh, so I don't want the pets in here, no. No, that's fine. That's another good reason to have the sort of uh, chalet separate from the house as well to sort of yeah. if anyone's got any allergies and things like that nice uh robin saul asks imposter syndrome do did you have it or do you have it how do you shut it up oh yeah i totally used to obviously because again i was i was put into teaching like spontaneously in the moment <laughs> yeah like um, most of us <laughs> yeah yeah and um how do I? Here, well, I got this fantastic advice early, early on um, mm -hmm. from John Epler in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was kind of lamenting this idea of like, how can I possibly teach? I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And he said, all you need to know is one more thing than the person in the room with you. Yes. And then you share that with them. That's all teaching is, is knowing one more thing that someone in the room doesn't know. And I was like, okay, I can, I can know one thing. I can show up to class with one thing to offer. That mm -hmm. feels reasonable. Um, and so part of how I deal with imposter syndrome or have as I've gone forward, it actually went away in the past few years, I guess, maybe from age, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Being an old Just lady is pretty great. Confidence and wisdom. Yeah. Um, but I do know that um, one thing that always helped was recognizing I know one thing, which means I don't need to know anything else. And so if I was to be asked a question I don't have the answer for, I can just say, I don't know. I don't know. And it turns out people really appreciate that, um, especially if you're able to say, I don't know, like if it's in a student situation, you say, I don't know let's see if we can figure it out. And then you invite them into the, into the process of understanding the thing. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's my thought. On the, I, on the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I still yeah. like, I, I don't know today. So it still happened. Right. Yeah. Knowing that you don't know is a great thing. Yeah. Um, I, there's one, one bit of advice that you, that I've always sort of kept for, that you gave out years ago, which is very similar to the advice that you were given um, when I, because I run like a, a a periodic seminar for my new instructors in the school. So people who are just coming up to becoming instructors themselves. And uh, one of the sort of nuggets that I've gathered over the years, and one of them is yours, which is not, you have to know one more thing. It was, you have to be a page ahead. Yeah. 
So yeah. if you if you're say you're working from a particular source and people are working through it, you just make sure you're reading next week's page, uh, so that you're you know because whatever you're working on this week is going to produce questions which are going to be answered in the in the next week's lesson. So just be you've only got to you don't have to know the whole book inside out you just have to be like right. one frame or one chapter or just one the, one moment into the future from whatever's going to happen you don't have to know everything um yeah and having that courage like you're saying having that courage and that confidence not even confidence just like that honesty to say i don't actually know uh yeah and then inviting them in to sort of say come on let's let's work on it together i think it's brilliant because then it kind of says to people well, that's how you become an instructor. It's that curiosity and that, that willingness to work through and find the answers together is, is that collaborative experience. Yeah. Rather than, you know, well, instructors spoon feeding you information, we can kind of do it all together. Yeah. And I think, um, I think I would, I would um, maybe frame it a little different than, than having confidence to say, I don't know, is... Yeah is actually giving yourself permission to not feel shame about yes, not yeah. knowing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Cuz not knowing yeah. is a I don't know why but for some reason it seems like modern western culture puts puts weird negative feelings on not knowing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's school, I don't know what it is. I I haven't thought that far into it. But I do know that people feel ashamed if they don't yes. have the answer to a question. And I think yeah. if you can, um, I don't know, be, be kind of, be kind of Buddhist or, or, or yoga in the moment and just like, huh, notice I'm feeling shame. Let that go. Yeah. Cause that's not my feeling. I don't deserve that. And then, you know, <laughs> proceed on to fence because fencing is fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird time we live in as well. Cause I remember like growing up, you expect your parents to know everything. And then what, sure. there comes a day when you realize that your parents don't know everything. And that's a kind of, mm. you know, you know, mind blowing moment. And it's this, you, you, if you can accept that your parents don't know everything, you know, these people that you really look up to, then it's, there's no shame in, it, in admitting it yourself that you don't know actually everything. And the other thing that's mm. weird is like, we've got Google. So once upon a time, there were just no answers. Now answers are everywhere. They can be yeah we found um yeah. right before i go too far off the beaten path um comox valley combat guild what's your favorite weapon and source um i mean probably i guess i would probably say uh the long sword out of armor is my favorite mm -hmm. um certainly i stick with the early 15th century sources so um, German side of the house. So uh, von Danzig, Ringeck, Lev, right? Um, none of which were written by those guys, but we call them that. Um, right. And uh, and so those are those are my primary sources. Probably von Danzig being again the the primary source. And it was just the first one I got. So it was the first one I worked. You know, way way the heck back. Um, and. <clears throat> Um, I have a very, I, I kind of hedged on my favorite because I like them all, right? I like all the medieval weapons, except for maybe poleaxe. Like, I don't have a lot of love for the poleaxe. <laughs> really? Um, but, yeah, no, 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 
Swiss Army stick. I mean, it's... It is. <laughs> I've, I've also been broken by poleaxes oh, a lot. Right. That would so, explain the, the aversion. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, but, I, but I... Sorry. So I was going to say, something people at home may not know is that you're quite famous. Well, they may or may not know. You're quite famous for doing armoured combat. So... Um, I remember when I started HEMA, I think yours were the first videos that I saw of people doing armoured fighting that wasn't Bohurt or um, um, Battle right. of the Nations type thing, where people were uh, explicitly practising um, actual armoured battlefield techniques rather than um, armoured tournament techniques. So can, do you mind quickly tell, telling us how you got into that? Um, well, yeah, I got into it because, uh, it was obvious to me that, um, Lichtenauer expected us to be, um, doing Blasfecten and Hernesfecten and Rosfecten, right? right? And so if I wanted to say I had an understanding of him for me, you know, but for me, if I wanted to, to assert that, then I had to get into armor and horses. Um, and armor was more achievable than horses. So um, that was the first thing I branched out into. And um, I was doing that, uh, at least practicing the techniques as much as I could, um, just in a heavy gambeson and, and stuff and um, before I ever got armor. And then I just slowly started started working on gathering all those pieces together and being able to do it. Um, and then my my 2020 project has been actually doing the horse stuff. So yes. I've been doing riding lessons, and my trainer is super keen to get me fencing on horseback. So um, my riding lessons are are focused around that being the the end goal for my for my process. So it's super and cool. You will, have, you will have completed the set. <laughs> yes. Yes. Great. And uh, um, and hopefully have a better understanding of all of it by doing that. Yeah. So. That will yeah will improve all of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Question from Robin: uh, During the pandemic, has there been any time spent on your own self study? Yeah, I mean, I always, I always, I'm always self studying, right? Um, yeah. In fact. You know, this might be a funny, so I was um, talking with my son, he's 12, and he's quite into video games, and I am not, um, but <laughs> yes, he loves video games. <laughs> no, not my jam. Um, but I was trying to tell him, you know, that you have to have moderation in all things, and, and so it's important to, you know, do a thing you love, but if you do it too much, then it can become a problem, and, like, I tied it back to fencing, and I was like, you know, because all things, you know, all arts have length and measure, and you have to be moderate with your approach, and all this stuff, and, mm. and he kind of was scoffing at me, and uh, I said, well, what do, you, what do you think, what do you think I'm immoderate about? And he goes, swords. 
And so I was like, yeah, you're right. I am immoderate about swords. I need to, I need to maybe spend time doing other things. <laughs> Do either of your kids like swords? No, nope. It, yeah. You know, it's just not cool when your mom does it. Nope. <laughs> People always go, oh, wow, your kids must be really good at HEMA. No, they don't. They're not interested. I've put them off. Nope. <laughs> it's the thing that takes mummy away. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I think there was a point yeah, where they kind exactly. of wanted to wanted to do it to be with me, but uh, it's yeah. not. It's not quite the same. Maybe if someone else offered to teach them, they would uh, they would be interested. But no, people kind of. It makes me think of like when you see an actor who plays Sakes. Like it makes me think of that uh, the girl. I've forgotten her name now. The the Israeli actress. Who plays uh, Wonder Woman? Uh, Gal Gadot. Uh, she yes. said uh, uh, to her kid, her daughter, oh, "Look, Wonder Woman poster." She's like, "That's me," and she's like, "No, it's not. That's Wonder Woman." <laughs> it's like, but you can clearly see it's me. They're just like, "No, it's not. That's not you. It's not." And uh, all all of the <laughs> like uh, like superhero actors and like. Like people think, oh yeah, your your, your mom's like this superhero or, or or a sword fighter or whatever. They just don't make the connection. They're like, no, that that's my mom. That's a different person, kind of right. thing. So it doesn't really, it doesn't necessarily follow. I mean, I'm sure there are families where the kids uh, follow what the parents do, but in like our case, it's it's it's, it's, it's been an aversion, I, I think. Um, yeah. Yulia says, tell us more about your ring and journey. Um, well, I don't know what, what more there is to say about it. Yeah, um, a number of years in judo before I got into HEMA and then started looking into um, Master Ott. And, um, well, I guess I could say this. I am working on another wrestling book. That's probably what you want to um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so it is going to be, uh, I retranslated and am interpreting uh, the works that are inside Wallerstein or von Baumann's book. Right. Um, so, yeah, it, it's huge. There's so much wrestling in there and a whole lot of um, really, really, really cool stuff. So um, I have the, the translation done and mostly edited. And so um, the next piece will be getting through COVID to yeah. where I could shoot video or photos with someone. Um, I, I but, ran out of time, but I was, I was going to ask you uh, in relation to that while we're on the topic, what advice would you give to all the poor grapplers out there who can't, um, you can't train? Is there anything that you can do in, in this, during this time that will sort of stop your, um, yeah, in fact, stop the um, skill fade? On, yeah. Right. Um, on, Guy Windsor's Sword School site, um, I had shot a video for him on solo wrestling training, actually before COVID, um, but I believe it's it's still one of the things he's offering for free. Okay. Um, so I've got like a 20-minute video of just the kinds of exercises that you can practice on your own um, that help keep up some of your wrestling skills and the and more specifically the, the strength and... Um, uh, dynamic entry sort of work, but um, hopefully that 
as far as I know, it's still there and it's still for free. Yeah. So that's on the Guy Windsor blog platform. Yes. So Swordschool.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was going to, yeah. So we've got about 15 minutes left. Um, Instagram can be a bit weird and just suddenly just go goodbye and just finish. So it might, it might cut off a bit sooner than that and we won't actually get to say goodbye. Uh, but let's keep scrolling through the questions here. Okay. Uh, Comox Valley Combat Guild, favourite HEMA mystery, as in a passage that is not well interpreted. Okay, so this is one of those things that everyone's got a, a weird idea about. Well... So, the one that I still to this day go eh, is um, the reverser or the verker, right? Um, and this is in um, the earlier works, and it's in the Zverschau section um, where the Zverschau faints are, right? So we can make some assumptions about like uh, how you're supposed to do the thing based on the fact that it's in Zverschau and in faints. Um, <laughs> But exactly how that thing is supposed to like work? Uh, so your guess is as faints. good as mine. Yeah. So we don't know. We don't know. It's something where you're turning your hand over. Mm -hmm. We know that. Um, and you're starting on your shoulder, and you're kind of throwing out half cuts over and over and over, trying to get them to bite on one of them. And when they do, you wrestle them. <laughs> so that's what we know it is. Okay. Um, how do you get from point A to it's point B? Yeah. 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 And so it's like, is it uh, like half Oberhaus that are kind of Zverschi, but not really Zversh? Or are they half Unterhaus that are kind of Zversh, but not really Zversh? Like, who knows? Um, and uh, uh, And so... I've tried a whole lot of things and none of them feel great. <laughs> is it something that you've yeah. discussed with people or is it just something that you've been trying to work out on your own? I don't know anybody that is satisfied with their take on that. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just, conundrum. it just is. Yeah. And there's no, there's no pictures of it. Um, whenever you talk about a turned hand with, a messer, um, it becomes a specific kind of parry, which obviously this isn't. Um, so, like, even going out into the wider corpus and trying to find, you know, usually you can solve a problem that way, is by going, does it show up in messer, does it show up in spear, does it show up in poleaxe, and then you can, like, fix the problem by doing that, but but not this one. I don't, I don't know. Uh, question for you from uh, Anouk. Uh, I, I don't know how deep down the equestrian rabbit hole you are to 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 have an art formulated a response to this, but it's uh, what is the best horse breed for horsey Hema, in your opinion? Well, I mean, I am really too new to have an opinion, but I can tell you what I've what I've read and I've heard from people is that probably medieval horses that, that knights really enjoyed using were gated horses. Um, so maybe something like um, like the Icelandic ponies mm. that have the tolt, that other extra gate that they can do. 
Um, or in the US, we have what we call Tennessee walking horses that have this extra gait. And so it's a, a very fast but smooth, um, smooth way to run that not all horses can do, and it's just certain breeds can. And um, I've heard people say that that probably that um, in particular, you can imagine jousting horses, it being really useful to have a very smooth, fast gait yeah. um, that doesn't bounce you very you much. Yeah, yeah. So, um, hmm, interesting. but yeah, I mean, right now I'm just working on, I'm just working on an American quarter horse paint. So I don't know. Yeah, you've got to work with what you get, what you get. <laughs> I, I, I think I was having a conversation with Jack Gassman once about what well, he, he was telling me about. Um, I, I know nothing about uh, Ross Fechter or anything for that. And I, I remember him saying that there was a particular type of horse, uh, like, uh, is it the, the Destria? Um, mm. I mean, because like the word Destria means a horse that is dexterous, that is easy, is that's maneuverable. And I think he was saying that, that the mares, the female horses, are better for this because they tend to have um, more um, muscle in their in their butts, basically. So they've got yeah. that, um, that maneuverability uh, that, that uh, fighting yeah. someone on, who, somebody who wants a stable, maneuverable fighting platform, uh, that's that's what you go for. Um, right. Gal Gadot, yeah, that's who I was trying to remember. Julia... In response to your news about the new book, says ah, uh, <laughs> no dagger classes. Yeah, we can't do any dagger classes. Do you teach dagger, Jess? Is that one of your things that you? I do. do. You do. Of course you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Comox Valley Combat Guild says pommel rat out of Zvech. Is that is that the thing that you were referring to? Yeah. Well. It probably isn't exactly that, um, but there there may be something related to that. I mean, certainly if you know if we're talking about that that Verker again, um, if 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 you interpret it as like a half Unterhau sort of Zverschi sort of thing, then any bind on it will bring you kind of into that space. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's kind of my favorite read right now. I, feels like that would be your easiest transition to wrestle. Um, but also it feels really scary and unsafe to do it. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Uh, Robin says it's in Messer. I, I don't know either. So it sounds like it's a universal uh, mystery. Yeah. Um, Lakushner, Lakushner might have a version Lakushner. of it, but I don't yeah, think yeah. it helped me when I looked at it. All right, we've got five minutes left. Um, I'll just make a little quick okay. announcement. Uh, my next guest for Tuesday is uh, the wonderful Christina Naj from Hungary, um, my good friend. So I'm looking forward to chatting with her. Um, question from Julia again. Any tips for good and safe practice of Ringen Amschwert? So that's something like I think people tend to start with longsword and then they do the Ringen. And I think a lot of people are kind of uh, a bit wary of, of, of grappling, especially with all the sticky out pokey bits. Uh, how, do, how do we get yeah. from, how do we get from longsword and, and uh, manage to sort of add the ring in safely? What's your advice? Yeah. So number one, wrestle first. 
<laughs> right? Um, you know, I feel pretty strongly that, I mean, this is controversial. Controversial take. We're going to get controversy at the end. Hot take, everyone. Um, <laughs> hot take. We probably shouldn't have wrestling at the sword allowed in wrestling tournaments because nobody trains wrestling. Mm -hmm. So in, in that's going to make you... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It probably should be taken out um, yeah, we... for people's safety. Yeah, we, we don't allow them yeah. here. Um, yeah. Um, so anyways, I know, I know yeah. that's controversial and I know why it's controversial. And I agree it would be the best if everyone wrestled and got really good at wrestling. And so we could have that in our wrestling sword tournaments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. But we are here and that isn't the world we live in. So we should also acknowledge that. Um, so yeah, so get really good at wrestling first. Um, the next piece is um, there are none of the wrestling at the sword techniques in Blosfecten. Sorry, Jess, you've broken up. Oh, no. Sorry, Jess. <clears throat> oh, no. You, you predicted it. You predicted it. And, uh, <laughs> so, so you said that there's no, there's no graph, there's no ring and amschwert in Blosfecten. It's more of a armoured... Thing. Well, no, there there is wrestling at the sword, but that you don't go to the ground. So right. if you were um, skilled and confident in your wrestling in the same way you are in your thrust in opposition, it should be relatively safe to do. Um, but what we have is people that, that often um, haven't practiced it enough so there isn't a clear throw or a clear throw and a clear counter right and so in other words we just get messy like everybody's just you know uh, yeah. in each other's face and then and then people fall and then yeah. somebody falls on a sword <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> um and or a knee gets blown out uh, there's been quite a few of those um yeah. that sort of stuff so um so you have to consider the the throwing part to be as technical and as um as needing of reps as doing a, a good thrust in opposition you know and how many of those do we do in a class a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> right so we train that to, a lot to dedicate as much time to wrestling as you would to uh to to your longsword practice your your regular routine uh you yeah practice it a lot <laughs> um, you just have to practice it a lot um yeah. and certainly you could you could if you were worried about um falling on the swords or um you know all the other haywire sort of dangerous things that can happen um that are a little unpredictable start with like a ridiculous sort of boffer trainer right because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter the yeah. sword weight or the sword presence or or stiffness or whatever like if you're if you're drilling those wrestling techniques where you go from a bind into a throw mm -hmm. none of that matters so use something soft and squishy and makes and sense. and work from there inflatable yeah. swords 
Yes! Uh, <laughs> any more questions for Jess? Oh, we're almost out of time. Um, no. The two-minute warning will probably come up. It may, it may or may not. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, any more questions for Jess from the floor? If not, I've got a couple I can chuck at you for the last few seconds. Um, yeah, here's mine. What is your proudest achievement as a human instructor? What is my proudest? I've never thought about that. What is my proudest achievement? Um, may run out of time, but. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, I kind of, you know, let me say this. This is a, the most recent one. How about that? Yeah, your most recent um, one. Yeah. Because I've had a lot of really great moments. Like, life is pretty great, mm. you know? Um, or at least that's the take I try to keep on it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's also a dumpster fire, but it, it's also great. Um, <laughs> Some great things in that dumpster. <laughs> it's right. That's right. Um, so recently I was asked to come up to the Patty Crayon Workshop, which is an international workshop oh, for wow. stunt people. That's and um, it is a big thing. And so I went up and taught for them. Um, and wow. um, had a great time. It was great, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, really enjoyed myself. And so we were sitting around right before the the final um, gathering, the final meeting of, of everyone at the workshop. And the the gentleman running it had asked all of the teachers to step into a side room real quick and have a quick chat about what student in the entire place stood out to us, right? Yeah. That we could honor them for having been great. And so we like rap and we have this moment about it and make some decisions. And unbeknownst to me, cause it's my first time there, he was doing the same thing with the students about the instructors. And so um, at that event, they ended up awarding me um, like the, the Brad Waller award is, is what it is, but basically just being the outstanding instructor at that event. And thank you, thank you. And um, well it, was, it was so emotional for me because none of these people knew me, knew my work, yeah. you know, anything about an it. And um, yeah, I guess so. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know what was said. I don't know why I was chosen. Because um, <laughs> I was in the other be room. Nice to get some, be nice um, to get some feedback off of those people, actually. Um, yeah, we're almost, we're almost out of time. Um, that's a really lovely uh, note to end on. It's been absolutely fantastic uh, speaking to you, Jess. Um, thank you so thank much. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's been lovely to see you. It's been a long, long time. Um, no. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to speak to Diana and we're going to come out and stay in your chalet and learn learn all the things. <laughs> I have to put that I on would love that. Yay. All right. 15 seconds left. Uh, Yulia just says, thanks for saying that, Jess. I agree with you regarding uh, put all that time into your ring and as much as into your longsword. So we've got four, yeah. three, two, one. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Go to at Swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net 
for information about our event or look for our Facebook page, By the Sword.